Well, good evening. How y'all doing? All right, got a couple of wired people in here. Here comes the cage. Muchas gracias. Praise God. I'd rather be saved than chew tobacco. <laughs> I'd rather be rather be here with you than the best jail in town. <laughs> and I mean that. Hey, God's doing some great things, isn't he? It's the one, we have been sharing so many wild things that God has been doing. And, and uh, I've been sharing with you about some of these phone calls we've been getting for these television opportunities. I'll share this again Sunday because it's just a scream. But today we got another one. This one is from Lasea, I guess. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but it is the largest Christian television network in South America. And they call today and want to take our Bayside program, translate it into Spanish. I wonder what my voice will sound like. Some loga. I hope it's some whiny sounding guy like me, so at least match. But uh, and, and air it into 23 Latin American countries. Isn't that cool? So, man, you can't make this stuff up. This is just wild. People are asking, well, when does all this start? We're not really sure because we want to see the fine print first. You know what I'm talking about? We'll put you on for free, but you're going to have your firstborn children for the next 20 years or something. You know, just... A lot of times they want to own you, so we'll watch out for that. But we're excited. God's opening some great doors, and we are excited. We are looking at Matthew, the 6th chapter, verse 9. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed that prayer together, our Father who art in heaven, that whole thing. And uh, Jesus starts out, the disciples had come to him and asked him, Lord, how should we pray? Teach us how to pray. So the Lord's Prayer really isn't so much about, gee, recite these exact words, which is fine to do. They are wonderful words. They're great words. They're meaningful words. And we do that in our services. But it's really not so much just repeat this thing, like just say it over and over again, like some kind of you know, a robot. God doesn't need to hear those exact same words over and over again. What Jesus was saying is this then is how you should pray. Why is it important to know how to pray? Because prayer has the power to change everything in your life. If you do it correctly. If you do it effect there's such a thing as effective prayer, which only leads one to assume there is ineffective prayer. A lot of times people pray very ineffectively. It's more whining. And I know I've been there. I usually, usually when something bad happens to me, I do about 25, 24 hours of whining. It takes me about that long to kick out of it before I get back in faith, you know. But whining prayer isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. You've got to get into a place of effective prayer where God can actually move circumstances in your life. You have to understand something about prayer. Prayer is asking God to do something that he would not do if you did not ask him. Did you catch that? Prayer is asking God to do something that he won't do if you don't ask him. A lot of times people just say, well, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, just do whatever you want to do. Prayer is more active than that. It's about, God, I need you. First of all, we pray. Pray, yes, God, your will be done. But specifically, this is what we want you to do. 
This is what we want you. Ultimately, your will has the final say. That's what he's talking about there. But that we need to effectively ask God how to, to move in people's lives. I was watching this movie called, uh, what is it called, Wind Talkers? Is it, have you guys seen this movie, war movie? Where the uh, Native Americans during World War II, I think it was the Navajos, um, started being, first of all, they spoke in Navajo and the Japanese had no idea what in the world that was. Then they spoke in code in Navajo. So nobody had no, any idea what they were talking about. And what they would do, this movie is so cool. I like war movies anyway, blowing stuff up, you know. But um, they would be out there, and as the battle is going, they would call up and say in Navajo, you need to move here. You need to come against this, in, in this emplacement here. There's guys over there. You need to deal with those. And they would call in the artillery strikes and the air support and moving troops around. That's what prayer is like. We are on the front line. And as we are in the front line, God wants you to be aware of what's happening around you spiritually and then to begin to pray in, in, in code if you need to. But pray and say, God, I need you to move here. Touch this person's life. God, move in this way. Believe it or not, God wants you to ask those things. If God would just, a lot of people think God would just, he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. If God would just freely do whatever he wanted to do, there would be God moving everywhere. Why don't you see that? Because he's not going to do it if we don't ask. In fact, the Bible teaches us that there are some things God didn't want to do in the Old Testament. God did not want to do it. But nobody would ask him not to do it, so he did it anyway. Does that make any sense? Did you follow that? God was going to bring judgment against the land. He says, I do not want to bring judgment for the land. I need one person to stand in the gap. One person to say, God, don't bring the judgment. We deserve it, but God, don't bring it. He says, I looked for someone, anyone, to stand in the gap so I would not strike the land. He didn't want to do it, but he couldn't find one. So then the judgment of God came. You have to understand, you have an active part in deciding how the hand of God will move in the earth. You have an active part in deciding how the hand of God will move in your life. A lot of people say, well, how come God's not doing anything in my life? Well, are you asking him to? Are you actively involved? Are you calling in the spiritual airstrikes? Are you pointing out areas of conflict that need God's attention? That's what prayer is for. We've got, prayer is more than, thank you God for this hamburger. Are you hearing me? That's the depth of our prayer. Thanks God for the grub. You know, or, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray I don't wake up dead, you know. Praise God, amen. And then we wonder, well, how come God isn't doing anything? Because you're not directing, you're not on the front lines. God, we need some air power over here. Do something here. And, you've, and in history, you can see the greatest moves of God throughout history is when people began to pray. But more than just going through some kind of rituals and all that, they were calling in spiritual airstrikes. They prayed specifically, God, this person has a need. God, this family has a need. God, this situation at work that I saw, I pray you will move in my nephew's life, in my mom's life, whatever. And pray specifically. And if you will start doing that, you will begin to see and experience the hand of God in your life. You have to understand something. The number one reason people don't see answers to prayer write this down, it's because they don't pray. That's the number one reason. We don't pray, we freak, we cry, we panic. We're very good at that. We're very, very, very skilled in the freak out department. 
God is not impressed by your freaking out. Come on, if God was impressed by freaking out, God would move everywhere. We'd see miracles everywhere. People are freaking out everywhere. This isn't faith. Christianity isn't a bunch of people getting together holding hands and freaking out. <laughs> God, come back soon. <laughs> Talk about defeatism. And even songs in the church used to be defeatist. Farther along will know more about it. Farther along will understand why. <laughs> Cheer up, my brother. You want to come to church and be like me? No! Why can't I get people to come to church with me? Because you're bumming them out! Man, we need to live and walk in the light. Seriously, if you just let your light shine and ask God to move in people, you'll see God, uh, spiritual attention will start coming your way. People will start asking you, how come you're not depressed? You know, what is it with you? For years, for years I've had people ask me, what are you taking? exactly are you smoking man because I, I need some of that I'm not smoking anything I'm full of the Holy Ghost you know full of the love of Christ and you, sh- you get opportunities so it's important to pray effectively so what we're trying to do is follow this example Lord teach us how to pray after all it does you no good to have a bulldozer if you don't know how to use it right does you no good I would know because I don't know how I'm pretty, pretty incompetent in the building area. My wife's more of a man than I am in that area. <laughs> I, just, I just, I confess my sin openly. I just, uh, I don't wanna, and I don't care, and uh, that's me. All right. So, how to pray? Teach us how to pray. He says, then this is how you should pray. And number one, we talked about already. He started with our Father. Okay. Talks about relationship. You begin with this concept as you start prayer. Concentrate. Get this in your head. He is my father. I have relationship with God. I have a different standing with God. This is different than just being on the outside crying. All right, we talked about that last week. Our father in heaven talked about how God is in heaven. And from his status in heaven, he's able to look down. He sees things you cannot see. He knows things you do not know. He knows the end from the beginning. What is all that about? God in heaven. God, where you're at, I know I can trust you. See, God sees the end from the beginning. He sees you start to move here, and he says, no, that's going to end up bad, and he'll put up a wall. A lot of times people get mad at God for putting walls up in their lives. Oh, God shut the door. Why did he do that? Because he doesn't want you to get hurt. Some of the most effective prayers are the ones that don't get answered in your life. How many know that's true? I promise you, if God would have answered every prayer I ever prayed, I'd never be in ministry. I'd be rich in the Bahamas somewhere, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? But, uh, 
You know, we can trust God. God, you have the final say. Our Father in heaven, you see the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning. I've had so many friends say, as I'm stepping into this new role in this church and all the new opportunities and stuff, and people say, aren't you freaking out? Aren't you freaking out? I said, no, I'm not freaking out. I said, why not? Because I, I trust God. I trust God. I knew God. And I was praying about this. I said, Father, you can see the end from the beginning. You know how to open up doors and close doors for me. And I'm going to be speaking about that on Sunday, by the way. How you can get to really more clearly know what the will of God is for you. So don't miss it Sunday. Okay? But anyway, he'll open and close doors because you can trust God. Alright, so then we come to step number three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now he's talking about an attitude of praise. About praise and worshiping God. And that's what I want to speak to you uh, in, in, uh, in mostly about tonight. Is this part about walking in praise in your life. There's a great uh, story in the Old Testament. In, in uh, Exodus, the 17th chapter. Verse 8. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. That's just south of New Franken. uh, way south Uh, and, and Moses said to Joshua choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill now as long as Moses held up his hands, which which is an example of praise, an attitude of praise. That's why I encourage people to raise your hands to God. Okay? How many of you know, know, it's it's just an attitude of surrender. If someone sticks a gun in your stomach, what do you do? Hallelujah. (laughs) Don't shoot. Okay? it's, It's, I give up, I surrender. It's an attitude of surrender. It's an attitude of praise. It's an attitude of worship. To God. Okay? So, as long as he kept his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Boy, if that isn't a great type of what our lives should be. A lot of times, uh, we get our eyes off of Jesus. We get out of an attitude of praise and thanksgiving in our lives. And we quit winning. And then we get into a place of praise and repentance and worshiping God and then we start winning and then we dig our eyes off of you then we start losing and just zing 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 and and uh and 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 that's kind of life to a lot of part you know nobody stays perfect all the time but when you start losing get your sense about you and get your hands back up get back into an attitude of praise don't just whine at what's going wrong start getting into a, a place where you can worship God in in your prayer time um, so anyway, when Moses' hands grew tired, they, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. Obviously, they figured it out. <laughs> hands up, we win. Hands down, we lose. I think we need to get the hands up, boys. So one was on one side, and the other was on the other, and so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So this is that attitude of praise. Hallowed be your name. Now, praise, I break praise into two categories. Praise is the celebration, first of all, of what God has already done. 
it's helpful to look back and to remind yourself of the blessings that God has brought into your life. Because a lot of times, especially when you get into a place of of panic and trouble, it's good to reflect back on what God has already done for you. Why? Because it helps to build your faith. And sometimes they're the smallest things, you know. Uh, A lot of the, uh, well actually all of the experience of where I'm at today, faith is based not on what I learned yesterday, but what I've learned over the last 30 some years. Of experiencing God. And you see God answer prayers in little ways. And, and you can trust him for a little bigger ways. And, and little bigger ways. And, and little bigger ways. And a lot of times when you get into one place. And, and it seems like you're up against a wall. It's able to. It's a good thing to stop. To look back. And, and to remind yourself of what God has done. And a lot of times in the Old Testament. When they would get in trouble. They would start out by praising God. Reminding God about what he'd done. Now I don't think God has a short memory, but uh, it's more about reminding us. Okay, but it's still a good thing to just kind of remind God and the devil anybody else who's listening about all the wonderful things he's done in your life. Because this gets you into a place of blessing. When you, when you walk around with a thankful heart, a grateful heart, God, thank you for what you've done here. Thank you for what you did here. Thank, it increases your faith. God sees a, a grateful heart and he blesses you. What's sad so many times is people are not thankful for where they're at. You know, we're coming up, uh, you know, to the, the Thanksgiving time in the fall. And, and this is, you know, it's a great time to stop and thank God. But I'll tell you, you need to thank God more than on once a year. When you're eating a turkey. You turkey. Alright. You need to thank God all the time. Have an attitude of of reflection. Of the blessings that he's given in your life. And particularly to reflect on on the times he's answered your prayer. Because it increases your faith. Um, There's been times when I've been in, you know, financial trouble in my life. And when I'm getting that financial trouble, see, immediately you can look at the, the, the situation. And if you focus on the situation, all you'll get is fear. Fear does not impress God. Fear does not move God's hand. Crying does not move God's hand. Again, if it did, we would see miracles everywhere. What moves God's hand? Faith. So you've got to get your eyes off of what's making you afraid and look back on something that increases your faith. So I will look back on times in my life and and in my prayer time I'll say, Father, remember that time you did such and such and turned this thing around and and, and this actually increases my faith. Of course God remembers, but in, in my prayer I'm getting my eyes on answers instead of failure. And it increases faith. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've had all kinds of bizarre times. I remember when, uh, some years ago, this is about 20 years ago, and uh, Deb and I were, we were so broke. Oh, you have no idea. We looked up to poor people and wish we could be like them. It was, it was bad. And uh, I remember this one time, we were forced in a situation where we, they sold the place where we were living and we had to move into another place and I had been expecting some money to come in and it hadn't come in and you know on that day we were moving in and uh, we needed to have $400 and I didn't have $400 and I didn't know what I was going to do but we just, we just prayed together and said God we're trusting you for $400 and I figured it, at the minimum you know it was a weekend on Friday I give my check and it gives me a couple more days <laughs> to, to find an answer to the $400 problem and, and, and we're just trusting God and we're doing this thing and, and I'll never forget we're moving into the house and this guy pulls up in this Cadillac 
and uh, at the time I owned a recording studio because I was out of ministry. I was, I was doing production work. And this guy walks up. He's a country and western boy. He said, I want to do a record. I said, well, well that'd be great. He said, well, how much are you going to cost? I said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it depends on what you do. He goes, all right. So well, can we start on such and such? I said, great. that would be fine. And he says, well, how much money do you need in advance? And I says, I, I, don't, I don't really care. Well, let me give you something. And he reaches in his wallet and reaches out and pulls out four $100 bills. And, and, uh, and then he hopped in his car and drove away. And I went, praise God. <laughs> and I went to the landlord and knocked it. I walked right to him and knocked the door. And, and he opened it up and I said, here. <laughs> he goes, oh, do you always pay in cash? Not usually, no. You know. But it was cool. So the next time I'm facing trouble, I remember, God, you made that day work for me. And all kinds of stories I could share like that. But that helps to build your faith. So praise in this attitude of reflecting back, looking back, can help you get into a, a, a place of, uh, of uh, reflection and, and looking back on God's blessings and help you get to a place of faith. Now, so praise can be the celebration of what is already done or praise can be the celebration of what God is going to do. Now the other can be difficult at best. This one can seem impossible. Because what we're talking about is celebrating your answer before you get it. This is the epitome of faith. This is the very definition of faith to God. This is probably the, probably the single greatest thing you can do to release the power of God in your life is to celebrate your answer before you get it. See, it's easy to celebrate it when you get it. How, how, how many of you need God to do something in your life? I mean, you need, you need a miracle, all right? Um, who's, who can tell me one? That, that you don't mind telling me. Anybody? Um, I have a sister who just got told that she has only five to ten years to live because she has severe coronary artery disease. Okay, so you have a sister who says she's going to die in possibly five years. Okay, 52. Very young. Very, 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 very young. I'll be 52 in about a week and a half. So it's very, very, very young. All right. Now let me ask you, how would you feel if she called you right now and said, Guess what? The doctor says I'm completely cured. How would you feel? Excited, Excited, happy, jazzed, right? Faith says feel like that right now. Feel like that now. Imagine your greatest answer to prayer. Imagine how that would make you feel. And start feeling that way now. Are you following me? This, you say, that's hard. Yep, it is. But that's called faith. And now you start celebrating the answer before you get it. It's called faith. And that kind of praise, when you're raising your hand and in your prayer, say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this answer. And celebrating it like you have it. Feeling it on the inside like you've got it. Before you get it, that gets God's attention. And he goes, whoa, who's that? And answers start to come. Now people will think you're crazy. 
People think I'm crazy anyway. <laughs> you know, kind of a broad brush for me. But when, when, whenever we start doing this in our lives, people have always thought we were nuts. You know, when the doctor told us, you know, Debbie's got cancer. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, I have my 24 hours of, ah! And then I, I get myself back together. I understand freaking out. I'm very good at it. But my, but my difference is, is I get out of it. I don't stay there. Okay, it's natural to freak. But God's called us to be what? Supernatural. So that initially, and then we got into a place of faith. I said, you know, we're going to start trusting God and celebrating God and actually getting into a place. I promise you, I started celebrating the answer long before I got it. And just pray, like the doctor had told us it was all gone. I felt, I could not have possibly felt better if I'd have heard the words myself. That is a place of faith. And the doctor, we'd sit there and, and the doctor would tell us, you know, when I, you realize this is very serious. And we're smiling at him. Yeah, we get it. And, and they'd start scolding us. You guys aren't taking this seriously enough. No, we get it dead. <laughs> What's the worst thing you can do? Die and go to heaven. Oh, it'd be horrible. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. You know, that's the deal there. Hollering at us, people chewing us out, family members taking us out to the emotional shed and just going, you guys aren't taking us seriously enough. Oh yeah, I get it. If we're depressed, then we'll get better. I don't know what people think. They get mad at you if you don't freak out and get depressed like they would. (laughs) Sheesh, no wonder they die so young. Good night. Just start celebrating the answer before you get it. You know, it reminds me of uh, when we first moved to uh, Green Bay. And uh, we, we had uh, uh, our house still that we hadn't sold in Marshfield. Which is kind of what's happening again now. But, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and, you know, you hate having a second house and a second payment. You know, and then critters got inside the house and started eating things and tearing things up. My son-in-law, who was just leading worship, was supposed to watch the house. I don't know where he's at, but, well, forgive him someday. Anyway, <laughs> you know, and it just kind of, kind of bums you out, you know, but... Uh, um, we started praying and getting into a place of praise. And, and, and seriously, I got into this place of, Father, thank you that our house is sold. Could not have possibly been happier. And I remember people coming up to me saying, Boy, you, you must really be really upset that your house hasn't sold yet. And I look at them and go, No. And I just, Really? Just shocked. Just the people in this congregation. Hopefully, some none of you. <clears throat> but uh, you must really be upset. No, we're not upset and just stunned. Why wouldn't you be upset? Because we're in a place of faith. And I remember when we sold our house, people came running up to me saying, you must be so excited that the house is sold. And I went, no. Why? I already was. I'm serious. I'm serious. If you've already celebrated, if you've already partied, if you've already, woohoo, this is getting on the inside. And then when it happens, it's just, thank you, Lord. You're already there. That's faith. I tell you, if you don't get there, circumstances will beat the snot out of you all your life. You'll be depressed when things are bad and happy when things are good. That's most people. They're depressed when things are bad, happy when things are good. I don't want to live that way. I choose not to live that way. I choose to be happy whether things are bad or good. Are you hearing me? 
It's called being in a place of praise, of celebration, of loving God, of celebrating the victory. The Bible says, count it all joy when you, everything goes wrong in your life. And, and, and the word there is like, have a party. It's like calling all your friends and saying, come on over, everything's horrible, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> and having that kind of attitude about life. This is called praise. Hallowed be thy name. It was a great story in the Old Testament. I love this story. Check this out. Second Chronicles, 20th chapter. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoah. They, as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. They're going off to war. They didn't want to go to, off to war, but these three armies were coming against them. The Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people from Mount Seir were all coming together to kill them. Horizon wasn't like they were just coming to raise taxes. They were coming to kill them. It was a bad day when you hear that happening. So they all set off. And he's trying to encourage their faith. And the next verse says this. He says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat made this incredible decision. He appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army. Saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. This is their song. Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures. So he sends this army into the battle, and at the front of the army, he puts the choir. I'm not sure how the choir felt about that. You know, if I'd have been in the choir, I'd say, aren't we supposed to be in the back? We don't, we've got like no sticks or anything. You know, just, we, we'll sing and inspire you guys, okay? But he puts the choir at the front. Why? He knew something. We are going to celebrate the victory before we see it. We're going to celebrate and sing and rejoice before God before we see one thing change in our lives. And off they went singing. The Bible says in the next verse, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. This is how they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, then they started slaughtering each other. Sounds like some churches I've been to. Doesn't it? Sounds like some Christians. (laughs) Eating each other alive. I don't have this on the screen for you, but in Galatians, the fifth chapter, Paul warns against this. He says, if you keep biting and devouring each other, you need to watch out or you'll destroy each other. Christians. Christians can do this to each other. Turning on each other. You should have done Yes, you should have It's not your fault. We need more medication sometimes, I think. People just need to calm down. So all these guys turn on each other and kill each other. It says, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked, uh, next page, toward the vast army, all they saw was dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Now that's the way to go into war. (laughs) That's the way to do it. When you get there, everybody's dead. (laughs) This is my idea of fighting. I get there, you're dead. Why did this happen? Because they were in a place of praise. A place of celebrating the victory before they ever saw the victory 
And before they got there, God comes to their rescue. God's hand comes in and confuses the enemies. And they tear each other up. They show up. Everybody's dead. In Acts, look at a New Testament example here. Talking about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were out preaching the gospel, doing the work of God. A lot of people got ticked at him. And it says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Bad day. Seriously, it's bad enough to be beaten, but naked. That's got to be humiliating. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas started crying out to God. And saying, God, (laughs) why did you let this happen to me? We're out there preaching, and everybody started beating us up. <laughs> and, and now we're naked, and, and they beat us up, and we're in this jail, and it just smells horribly. I don't know who's been in here last, but man, I don't understand it. I was trusting God, I was doing God's will. <laughs> I guess God's left me. Is that what they did? No. It says, after this horrible day, everything went wrong. They're doing God's will. They're doing what God called them to do. And they get the dickens beat out of them. Humiliated and thrown into this lousy cell. And the Bible says they started praying and singing hymns to God. And it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I'll tell you why. You want to get the world's attention? You start living an attitude of praise in the midst of your lousy circumstances. And the world will listen to you. They will begin to notice you. There's something different about you. What is it? What is it with you? What what church do you go to? How, how can you live like this? Because there's, you, you should be freaking out. You should be crying. You should be complaining. But instead of doing that, they're singing to God. They're praising God. They're celebrating God's victory in their lives at their lowest point. It can't possibly get any worse for them. Other than if they would kill them. That's about as bad as you can get. The only thing next, the next step is death. And for all they knew, that's exactly what they were going to get. Alright, this was a bad start of the day. The bad news is tomorrow is probably going to be worse. They're going to kill you. And in the midst of this horrible thing, even though they were doing the right thing, they didn't complain about God. They didn't say, God, how come you let this happen to me? God, where were you? God, 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 God. I tell you, sometimes we got to be careful. Little tiny ants running around pointing our fingers at God. God, what do you think you're doing up there? Man, just be glad I'm not God. Because I would just go, Hi! Give me a ride! You know. 
need to be careful. In the midst of their worst moment, they begin singing and praising God. The Bible says everybody's listening to them. Suddenly, it says in the next verse, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Hallelujah. God just shaking the place up. I don't know what kind of hymn they were singing, but it must have had a beat. <laughs> At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains just came off. Well, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Why would he do that? Because better to kill yourself than to let the guys in charge get a hold of you the next day. They would fillet these guys as slowly as they possibly could. It was a brutal, horrible death. When these guys, if someone escaped on their watch, you don't want to be around to see the results. So he's pulling out his sword. He's going to kill himself, which was preferable to what was going to happen to him. But Paul saw him and said, shouted he, and he shouted, he said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and asked them sirs what must I do to be saved man how do I get what you guys got ultimately that's it see you have to be aware of something if you want to affect people's lives around you honestly they're less impressed by what you think and what you say than in how you live did you follow that Say, well, I, I got I got this brother of mine. I need to get him in church. What can I say to him? What can I how can I argue with him? He, he believes in this, he believes in that. You know, just chill a little bit. It's less about that. The most important thing, you'll never argue anybody into heaven. You're never going to convince anybody intellectually. Because they're just they're just in a different place than you. The most powerful thing you can do is live a successful life or live happily in an unsuccessful life. That's even more effective. When things aren't and you stay in an attitude of praise and thanksgiving and and people start to listen and they start to notice. the The reality is you've got to win people to you before you can ever win them to Jesus. If people can't stand you, you're never going to convince them. Being obnoxious and arguing with people about the Bible isn't going to get you any points. You need to be nice to people. Be kind to people. Don't jump on them for every goofy, crazy thing they believe. A lot of them don't really believe anything. They're just arguing for the sake of arguing. Because they just want to argue. You know, walk in love towards people. Be kind to people who are unkind to you. React differently than they expect you to react. Live a life that causes people to go, wow. And they start to listen. This jailer says, man, what do I got to do to be like you guys? And they replied, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. You and your household. You believe in this? He says, God will change your life. He'll start with you. He'll change your whole family. If you'll put your trust in Jesus. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, I'm so grateful for your kindness. Lord, I thank you for your word. Holy are you, Lord. Hallowed be your name. Help us to get a a revelation of an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of praise in the midst of trouble. 
Help us, Lord God, to experience stuff by faith before we actually see the results. Help us to become more like you. I'd like us all to pray this prayer together. And I'd ask all of you to join in with this with me. And just mean this from your heart as you pray this to Jesus about uh, getting in the kind of place you need to be in faith in your life. And if you've never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you'll pray this prayer with us and believe this, Jesus can come into your heart and give you a new beginning. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. You see the end from the beginning. You watch over me. I can trust you. Help me to live a life of faith. Help me to celebrate your blessings. Before I even see them. So I can start to experience your power in my life. I open my heart to you this evening. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to be in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You learned anything tonight? All right. Now, if that was the first time you ever prayed a prayer like that, if you'll stop at the guest services, I have a book I want to give you. It's a book written by my brother Ed. It's a great little book about faith. All you got to do is come up to the thing and say, can I have that free book? I would love to have that. And it'll answer questions about faith and, and prayer and how you can really get more plugged into this wonderful thing that we've been talking about tonight. And let me encourage all of you to start walking in an attitude of praise in your life. All right? Easier to talk about than to do. I know. But the reality is, I would rather do that than stay in a place of fear and freaking out. That's an ugly place to be. How many of you don't want to be there? I don't want to be there. No, no, no. A place of praise. Okay. God bless you guys. Thank you. See you Sunday morning. Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever. Bye.